Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. There is a place, and I need to share with you right now that there is a place that we, when we think of hell, there is a place of eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. It'll never end. And that scared me. And there's nothing wrong with the thought of going to hell, scaring you into the kingdom, because it happened to me, and I'm not ashamed of saying it. I respond really well to fear and pain. I do. I respond really well. And when I read it for the first time with my own eyes in the Old Testament and the New Testament, I quaked in my boots like I've never quaked. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. As Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 3 of Peter's first epistle, he gives us a review of what the Bible says about a place called hell. We know there are people that struggle with the thought of whether there is a hell, but we know as students of the Bible that Jesus talked frequently about hell, which we know is a place of eternal torture and separation from our God. However, as believers in Jesus Christ, we should have no fear of this evil place because of what Jesus did on the cross for us and how he resurrected to God the Father. And as Peter tells us, all was made subject to him. Let's join Pastor Rob for this final study in chapter 3. And now they are searching out strange flesh, a flesh that doesn't belong to them. It's not like them. It's different. It's very different. These fallen angels crossed the line and God judged them. And the result, which was a world polluted with the sin, which had to be destroyed. So what was the purpose or plan behind this? Well, they wanted to pollute, we believe, the human bloodline. And why? To thwart the coming of the Messiah. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when Adam and Eve had sinned, what did God say to Eve or say to Satan? He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed, demonic seed, and her seed. Speaking of Jesus Christ, he, Jesus, shall bruise Satan's head. He shall bruise your head, which means crush. He's going to crush your head, Satan, and you shall bruise his heel. You're going to crush his heel, but he's going to crush your head. The victory is going to be Christ. And so you can see Satan knowing this in advance all the way back in the Garden of Eden doing everything he can to thwart this process and inundating the, the line of human beings and coming in through an, these angelic fallen nature, these fallen angels, and inbreeding with women. This is spooky stuff, honestly. Sounds like Star Trek, doesn't it? But I believe it's true. I believe it's true. And God has to put an end to it, and he hates it. So we believe that's who these spirits are by whom he preached to the spirits in prison. Turn with me, or actually let me just read it to you for the sake of time. In Second Peter, 
chapter 2, beginning in verse 4 and 5, it says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, that's who we're speaking about, if he didn't spare them, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. This word hell in this context literally means Tartarus. This is the only time it's mentioned in the entire Bible, and we believe this is a level of hell. Like you have Hades, and then you have this big container, as you can see up here, and Tartarus is in the lower part of that. That's the only way I can picture that in my head, is that there is a lower parts for specific individuals, and God has placed these fallen angels into this place called Tartarus, this lower part of hell. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 19. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Sounds kind of spooky. Before we get into this next section, and we're going to end here, I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that he, he went to this place, this place called Sheol, or this place called Hades, which has these two different compartments. We don't have time to go there today, but when we get to these passages, we'll return to this again. But there are verses in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9 specifically that says that when he went, he led, when he descended into the earth, he led captivity captive. And these people in Abraham's bosom here, in this area, this compartment, if you will, faithful believers, he led them to heaven. And some point, either then or after that, he went down to Hades or to Tartarus, and he told those angels who had been trying to thwart the bloodline and to somehow try and thwart the very Messiah, Christ, from coming to save human mankind. He told them, he proclaimed to them, he preached to them the victory that he had obtained on the cross. And to me, folks, that is really good news. Does that bother anybody that, that Jesus visited this place? It doesn't bother me at all because he didn't go because of his own merit. He went because he proclaimed his victory. To me, I just, bear with me for a minute because I'm a guy. I see him coming in, you know, like on a white horse coming into town with his guns. And they're all standing there shaking and he's like, it's over. There's a new sheriff in town. He's got the toothpick. Spurs. <laughs> Sorry. Lord, forgive me. But it's like he's, he's victorious. He's victorious. And he tells them, your day is done. And you're done. It's over. It is finished. Amen? Yes. It is finished. And I love the fact. And you may not agree with me. And you know what? This is one of those things that can be a peripheral issue, meaning there are some issues in the Bible that we're going to get into. Ezekiel chapter 1 and 2, when Ezekiel's talking about these wheels within a wheels, nobody on the planet knows what that means. No pastor really knows what that means. And I'm not going to fake it. I'm going to tell you I don't know. I have no clue. It's a peripheral issue. This can be a peripheral issue as long as you don't take this and think that somehow... That Jesus, when he died, he went to hell or Hades to preach, to give somebody a second chance. There's a problem with that doctrine. That's not biblical. It's nowhere to be found in the Bible. 
It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. But see, God loves you and me so much that he gave his son that we might, if we believe in him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that where you want to be? That's where I want to be. I was scared to death of going to hell. Somebody told me, a young man in the guitar department at Stetson University by the name of Orlando Roman, we sat in his Cadillac. He was a Puerto Rican brother. And at the time, I didn't know Jesus involved in my sin. And he told me, he says, Rob, he says, God has a plan for your life, but you are bound for hell, brother. And he showed me in the Old Testament and in the New Testament the things that he knew I was doing. And the Lord convicted me like I've never been convicted before. I literally, you've heard this before, I went up to my room and I cried like a baby. I I begged God to forgive me. And I didn't have to beg him, but I begged him convulsively in tears, forgive me, Lord, I am a rotten sinner. And he marvelously saved me. Do you remember that day when you were saved? Maybe it was a slow sort of thing with you. Some people, it's just one moment in time where he comes down and just gets a hold of you. That's what it was like for me. It's not that way for everybody. But he saved me. Look with me at Revelation chapter 19, because there is a place. And I need to share with you right now that there is a place that we, when we think of hell, there is a place of eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. It'll never end. And that scared me. And there's nothing wrong with the thought of going to hell scaring you into the kingdom because it happened to me, and I'm not ashamed of saying it. I respond really well to fear and pain. I do. I respond really well. And when I read it for the first time with my own eyes in the Old Testament and the New Testament, I quaked in my boots like I've never quaked. That's okay. That's good. There has to be a fear. I need saving, God. Please save me. Don't let me go to this awful place. I want to be with you. I don't care. Do anything you want with my life. Pulverize me into the ground if you have to, but don't let me close my eyes and take my last breath without devoting my heart, my allegiance to you completely and wholeheartedly. You must come to Jesus. It is so important because his great love for you You know, at the end, when we're done here, I would encourage you, we're almost done here, but please, if if you haven't made that commitment, we're not going to embarrass you. God won't embarrass you. But if you want to be saved, would you please come up and pray? You, You don't have to pray with me. I'm nobody. You can pray with anybody around you. But I would love to pray with you. Get Pastor David to pray with you. Get one of the other the elders in the, in the, the leadership. Pray with them. Ask somebody to pray for you. You must be saved. Life is short. It is a vapor. It is here today and gone tomorrow. And then where will you spend eternity? This is a big deal, folks. And this is a sobering message. But it's necessary. It's necessary for us. We have to talk about this. This was the elephant in the room when I read this passage. I would have liked to have just skipped over this. And the Lord just wouldn't let me. He says, you need to know what this is for your own sake, and I want you to share it. Next week, we're going to get into it in context, and we'll, just, we'll go through this, but because there's a lot more in here, and it has, um, it, it's different. But we have to hit this straight on. In this passage, this elephant is in the room, and it has to be addressed. And that's what we're doing this morning. I wrestled with this.
Lord, I really don't want to take them through all this technical stuff. <laughs> and it could have been a lot more technical, but I'm learning. I'm growing, I think. Because I'm a graphic guy, and I can put stuff up, and I just I don't want to kill you with this stuff. Because it can be difficult. Hopefully it was clear to you today. And if it's not, again, it's not the matter of life or death. It's a peripheral thing, as long as you don't believe that you have a second chance. Because, there's, again, there's no biblical reference anywhere about this second chance thing. It just is not there. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 9. Jesus, in, G- in Revelation chapter 19, he comes back, and he comes back on a white horse. And he comes back with the angelic realm. He comes back with us, and he comes physically to the earth. This is the second coming of Christ to the earth to establish his thousand years on this earth, a thousand-year millennial kingdom on this earth. Are you worried about global warming? Are you worried about all this stuff? Guess what? At least, there's going to be a, from this moment, at least there's going to be a thousand and seven day, a thousand years, a thousand and seven years if the Lord came for us today that this earth and the sun and everything is going to be just fine. <laughs> Are you worried about the floods coming in because of the polar caps melting? Oh, my God, they're ra- ah, this thing's like the size of Rhode Island, and it broke off from the ice shelf. We're going to die. I mean, are you crazy? No, you're not going to die. This earth is going to be just fine between now and for another thousand and seven years. And do I know that for a fact? I do, because the Bible says it. And I'm not being facetious. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just, if I'm going to be arrogant, I'm going to be arrogant with the word of God because that's what he says. I believe what he says. Do you believe what he says? Because if you don't believe what he says, then you're wasting your time here. But you know the truth. You know the truth because Jesus is the truth. Again, Revelation chapter 19, the Lord has already come back. And then in verse 20, it says this, and it says the beast, meaning the Antichrist. And again, please bear with me here because what I'm trying to do is show you this end game scenario about where, what happens, this eternal judgment. Again, this, isn't this great stuff to talk about on a Sunday morning? But it's important. Again, it's the elephant in the room that I can't get by i got to give it. <laughs> so, Revelation 19, verse 20, it says, Then the beast, the Antichrist, was captured, and with him the false prophet, two of the three of the demonic trinity. So these two who work signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Notice, these two, the false prophet and the beast, were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. This is the final resting place for all of the ungodly. It's called Gehenna. It's called the Lake of Fire, and it is the eternal punishment. It's the last place. The last place. This is it. And then look with me in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. It says, Then I saw an angel after this. It says, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit. This is what we look at our uh, chart over here. The abyss. This is the bottomless pit. It literally means the abuso. It's the bottomless pit. And notice who is put in there all by himself in this container, if you will. An angel came down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. While the millennial kingdom is going on just fine, Satan is put in this 
chained in the bottomless pit, this place called the Abuso. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him that he, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these, these things, he must be released for a little while. Notice in verse 7, Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison, this place called the Abuso, the bottomless pit. And he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, again, so filled with fury, even though he knows the truth, he knows his end has come. When he's released, he doesn't repent. It's impossible for him to repent. But instead, even in a world that's going to be governed by Christ, he's going to stir up more hatred, and there are going to be people, believe it or not, that are going to follow him. Isn't that crazy? It's almost like God is making a point that even people who come into the, the, the kingdom, into the thousand-year reign that aren't in their new bodies like you and I will have, even them, they will still rebel. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them, and the devil who deceived them, notice, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So there's three people now, or at that time, that are going to be in this, I'll show you in just a minute, this place called Gehenna. And then I saw, verse 11, a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works and by the things which were written in the books. These are the deeds of wicked man. Not believers, because that that has already been dealt with. These are only unbelievers. Notice verse 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. Death and Hades delivered up those who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Notice, then death and hell, Hades, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone found Written, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And that is the eternal punishment of everything. That's the end game for all the wicked. And they, these things aren't easy. But notice what it says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 13, that death and Hades, remember that compartment that we were talking about before? Christ died on the cross the wicked dead who are there in that container, well, guess what? Unfortunately, they go there too. And all those not written in the book of life, they are also in there. And so, this is not good news. And this is the end game for people who don't know and who will not surrender their heart to Jesus. This is not easy. It's not even exciting to talk about. But I will tell you this, that God, because of his great love for you, he doesn't want you to go there either. And many of you have already made that commitment to Jesus. And again, I came out of fear at first, but after I got to know him, I realized, Lord, you know, you hold the keys to death and hell. That's what it says in the Bible. You hold the keys to these things, and you love me, and he loves you. He cannot even think. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Isn't that what the Bible says? 
He loves people. He loves you. If you haven't made that commitment today, will you make it today? And again, this is not so that you can become part of our club. This is between you and God alone. This is not about you becoming part of Calvary Chapel. We're glad you're here. But get saved. Ask God to forgive you and receive Christ. It doesn't matter where you go from there. We hope you stay, but if you go somewhere else, your ticket is secured because it's in Christ. He paid the price for your sin. That's the most important issue of your lifetime is what are you going to do with this carpenter from Nazareth whom the prophets had foretold for hundreds of years that this man, he would come in the form of, of a baby, he ever lives, but he allowed himself to come into the form of a baby through the virgin birth of Mary. He lived a sinless life and then ultimately paid the price for my sin, for your sin. He died on the cross three days later. We're going to celebrate it here in another week or so. He died on the cross, and on the third day he rose again. And now he ever lives to make intercession for us. And we await now the rapture of the church when he comes back for his bride. And we will be caught up, snatched up off the earth, our bodies made incorruptible. And we'll be with him forevermore. For seven years, we'll be with him in heaven while hell breaks out on the earth, this tribulation. Then he comes back at the end of that and establishes in his second coming, physically to the earth, his thousand-year reign of Christ. And then afterwards... This current heaven, this current earth are dissolved with fervent heat. And the Bible says that in Revelation 21, a new heavens and a new earth will be created wherein dwells righteousness forevermore. That is our eternal state. The thousand-year reign is just temporary for us even as Christians. But ultimately, at the end of that thousand-year reign, this current heaven, Peter tells us, fervent heat, this thing's just going to go cinder over and God creates a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness forevermore. That is our eternal state. This is the, that was the eternal state for those who don't believe in Jesus. But remember, narrow is the way. Narrow is the gate that leads to life, and many, you know, and few there are who are on that path. But wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many people are on that path. But everyone is invited to come to Christ, the one who saved you, the one who loves you, the only one who loves you when it's all said and done, the only one who secured you, the only one who truly loves. Will you allow yourself to be loved by him? Even as a Christian, will you rededicate your life to him? Your resolve, Lord, I'm done with this nonsense that I'm doing. I'm playing games with you, Lord. I'm Proclaiming to be one thing, but I'm doing this thing on the side nobody even knows about, not even my wife. Lord, my husband doesn't even know that I'm doing this. Put it all away, confess it, and come to Christ afresh. And what's the promise? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to not only forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that indeed what the Bible says? Read it, First John chapter 1. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love and for your mercy. And Lord, we just pray that you'd be with us today. And Lord, as much as this was hard to share, Lord, we know that it is, I believe, the truth.
because your word declares it. And so, Father, encourage us, Lord, to honor you in everything and give our hearts to you unreservedly. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.